The following is a Super Spectrum Radio production. Since 1972, Carl Kolchak has reported on the strange and unusual. Las Vegas, Seattle, and Chicago have been just a few of his beats with Kolchak continuously finding himself face to face with vampires, werewolves, phantoms, and all manner of creature that goes bump in the night. I'm your host, Jason Stevens, and this is the Kolchak Legacy Podcast. So when you have finished this bizarre account, judge for yourself its believability. And then try to tell yourself, wherever you may be, it couldn't happen here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Kolchak Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jason Stevens, and we are continuing to bring new fans into the Kolchak universe. And tonight, we are covering the very first episode of the Kolchak television series, The Ripper. And with me again is my friend Matt Pierce, who is discovering Kolchak for the very first time. And we watched The Ripper from beginning to end and then immediately are recording this episode why it's fresh in his brain. And uh, we're going to find out if he likes it. Of course, the big thing here with episode one is the intro, the introduction to Kolchak that we'll see for the continuing episodes of this 20 episode television series featuring Darren McGavin. Of course, it kicks off with the whistling, the music that's unmistakable that becomes synonymous with Kolchak. It, of course, was written by Gil Malay. It's just a classic. Once you hear it, it's definitely an earworm of Kolchak's whistle. It's also a very, like, almost Twilight Zone type opening. He's typing, and then just stuff starts happening around him. It's kind of weird, and yeah, like, clock stop. Clock's things. going backwards yep. and stopping. Fans randomly stopping close in on his eyeballs. Yeah. And then, you know. It's, yeah. it's very good mood setter, I think. And going through uh, him typing. Of course, you can see him typing words like monster and mm. stuff as he's writing the stories. Giving you the hint that this is not going to be just a regular television series, which I imagine at the time most people were probably aware of the two previous made-for-television movies. But, hey, this thing this thing kicks off with a bang, and we are going to get into it. Kolchak the Night Stalker, Episode 1, The Ripper. A serial killer who preys on women haunts Chicago, and Kolchak comes to believe that the killer is the original Jack the Ripper, a seemingly immortal killer who has slain women in many cities over the last century. We get introduced to that killing almost immediately. Immediately is the first scene. Hey, yep. hey, we got it. We've got a uh, go-go dancer at uh, Warner's Boom Boom Room in Milwaukee. She finishes her dance. She goes mm-hmm. in to, to cover her her body with yeah. a t- with a robe, and we see in the corner there's been a man standing there. We got we got some shiny dress shoes. We got some black slacks, possibly a cape, mm-hmm. and a sword cane. And he gets to hacking. And whenever he leaves, the bartender immediately goes in there and checks yeah. what happened, and then is like, "Get that guy!" And everyone in the bar attempts to. Yes, they all dogpile him. He just throws them away. Tosses them. Just in the air, out of the way, like they're nothing. They totally escape. And then a few days later, 
three days actually, mm. also in Milwaukee. So he's just chilling in Milwaukee, having a few brewskis. Debbie Fielder, she's at night coming out of a uh, basement doorway and then boom, four stories up, off of a fire escape, leaps a man, down from the shadows, sword cane again, Yep. get to stabbing. Get to stabbing. Two murders. You get two murders back to back at the very beginning of this episode. In the first one, maybe it's just a strong guy who threw all these people off. Mm-hmm. The second one, when he jumps off the fire escape, you know it's just not some guy. You can't just jump four stories and land on your feet and, and, and keep going. So. Yes. Uh, and the following morning, we get Carl Kolchak in his office and you get Tony Vincenzo. So we got everybody coming in here hot and heavy of course we've got uh darren mcgavin returning mm-hmm. of course as carl kolchak and we get simon oakland back again who was in the first two movies as tony vincenzo so we've got a recurring cast that we already know in the ins yes yeah yeah, yeah. The it's ins like it's a nice newsroom it's he's got, vincenzo has a bigger office this time i think he's got a big window you can see the entire floor or the entire reporting yes floor. but i mean you get a lot of like you can hear the trains outside oh, you yeah. can tell us maybe not the best but yeah the international news service is the where there is their paper for the entirety of this television series in chicago ins tony vincenzo editor-in-chief he tells carl that he's got something for him because carl has apparently pretended to be the police commissioner yeah. And gotten called out on it. Like you do. And so to uh, smack his hand, Miss Emily, who writes all of the... Uh, Dear Abby. Yeah, like yeah, yeah like that, the letter column, basically, yeah. of people writing in letters of their woes and troubles. Uh, she's on vacation. And so Carl Kolchak gets to be Miss Emily for the week. A pile of letters there, and he's got to answer those and do that. So that's going to be his punishment for um, lying about being yeah. a police officer, basically. Burning bridges of the police department. Yes, which he's no stranger to. It's true. Uh, This is the third city that we've seen it happen in and heard about it in many others. Carl, of course, is looking through this pile of letters and he's just like, oh, and he's reading them and they're all, he's just like, oh, they're ridiculous. But then he runs across one that kind of catches his eye from a newspaper reader complaining about a strange man in Wilton Park whose bizarre costume and strange stare frighten her that she's got like x-ray eyes that he lives near her and she's afraid of him yeah so carl takes that to heart gets up and takes off he's like i gotta i gotta go see what's going on in the loop i can't i can't be here with this miss emily stuff you know and and throwing fits then we cut again another murder this time in chicago Mm, now this mean. this is where things happen because the others were in Milwaukee so that really wasn't on Carl's radar but May 26th Chicago Laura Moresco she's a masseuse she's walking home she has a giant stuffed panda that apparently a very quote-unquote satisfied customer has given her they they do allude that a lot of these women may offer other services than just massage yeah throughout the episode it's the undertone of the Yes. episode which works well with the ripper as the original jack the ripper in fact killed prostitutes in london yep. so it, it it bounces out she's walking home all of a sudden behind her comes a man top hat the cape we see the black clothes the sword cane and then they go off screen you hear her you see his shadow stabbing and then you get a shot of the panda 
rolling into frame and it's just been shredded. Murdered. Dunzo. About that time, Carl's driving his Mustang, which this is the first shot of the yellow Mustang that Carl drives throughout the series as well. There are lots of shots throughout the series of Carl driving. It's a good yeah. time feeler. Like showing him driving. So yeah. he's driving and his police scanner goes off and there's a code five. There's a homicide. There's a guy on a building and they're all, you know, so he's like, oh shoot. So he pulls up, he parks on the street, the cops freak out and he's like, INS, INS News Service. And they just, like everything else we've seen, they just let him do whatever he wants at that point. Yeah. They're just like, okay, fine. You know, let's do it. So Carl, he's taking, he's taking photos. He sees the man. Cops are racing after this guy. They're shooting him, not stopping him, which we have seen now. This is the first episode of the series, but yeah. we saw, we've seen this similar thing happen in both television movies of yep. just an unstoppable force that the police just pump bullets into and is not stopped in the slightest. It's, it's a very effective way of showing that whatever you're dealing with isn't a normal man. It's something beyond that. What, whatever's going on, it's not just a murderer, like the police say. And he, he jumps down four, four stories. Mm-hmm. That's his number. He jumps down four stories, lands on his feet. He's not stopped. The cops surround him. They kind of dogpile him. He just tosses them off, just leaps over Carl, basically, and over a cop car and just is gone. Yeah. They weren't able to stop him. So Carl is now on this. Like, mentally, he's on this story. Yeah. But in reality, he's writing Miss Emily. This is about the time that Vincenzo shows up and he's just checking on the Miss Emily article, the section of the paper that he's got to be doing. Yep. And he sees Carl typing and he's like, whoa, whoa, murder. What? What? Whoa, 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 pal. Rips it out of the typewriter, wrinkles it up. He's like, this isn't your story. This is Updike's story. Soon after, we are introduced to Mr. Ron Updike, the former financial reporter Mm -hmm. who we will also see throughout the rest of the series. He's the next recurring character that you'll get from here on out. Ron Updike, the very much uptight, as Carl calls him, man, who very squeamish. Oh my gosh. Extremely squeamish. Yeah. And so Vincenzo is all like, look, Updike's got it handled. In fact, let's talk to him about it. They talk to him. He's telling them the report that another reporter second-handed to him Mm -hmm. because he went to the morgue and Ron Updike was not going to go see that body. And he went to where she was murdered and he was almost sick to his stomach. And he was like, can I, can I please go home? And Carl's just like, mm, weak sauce. Yeah. Horrible. Yes. But, you know, Carl, he he's not taking no for an answer for this. He's just openly defying Vincenzo. He's not even telling him he's doing, like, he's just doing his own thing. Gone rogue, basically. He goes to the press conference with the police, which, of course, we have seen in the previous movies. They make that a definite point of all this, of these police conferences where the reporters are there. And, you know, Carl's asking about the four-story drop, how the man could survive, and the police chief is like, well, there could have been something there to break his fall. There could have been this and this. And Carl's like, yeah, but we know there wasn't. Yeah. And he does not like that line of questioning. We get introduced to Jane Plum, who ends up not being a recurring character. However... Jane, a tenacious reporter for a maybe a little more tabloid rag in Chicago, goes with Carl. He's taking her to lunch so he can try to get some info from her because she was one of them who turned in a letter from the Ripper to the police, and she's going to print it in her paper once they check it out. This is where they call Jane Plum fat mm-hmm. and make several references to how husky she is or how sturdy she is. She is very much a regular built woman. There's, yeah. I, I don't... I, I, <laughs> 
it's it's she's, she's not fat <laughs> she's not fat she's not at all and they try to make it a thing where like she orders a ton of food at the diner but like yeah it still doesn't visually which it just could be standards of beauty throughout the years but maybe just, I, don't know. I feel like it's not the case out of all the unbelievable things in this fictional show them calling her fat i think might be the number one yeah it's yeah. just really weird. It's, it's very just really weird. It's like they really want you to suspend your your belief. But she shares some info with Carl about the Ripper murders. He gives her a headline for the paper. They're all happy to go. So he's he's telling her the information. And her big reveal is that the murder cut out Laura Moresco's kidneys. Mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper did the similar things during his murders. And yep. so that gets Carl on this line of it's it's a copycat at worst. Mm. But you know he's already like, the wheels are turning. This, is, yeah. this isn't his first supernatural rodeo. And he's already seen this dude leaping four stories out of a building and getting shot a bunch. And, and he, he's seen this a couple of times already. Yeah, he's old hat to this by now. Yes. And then we've got The Loop, which Mm -hmm. is apparently like Times Square in New York, basically is how Carl puts it in Chicago. It's all neon, and and it's New York's Times Square at the time was all peep shows and stuff. So this this is a seedy area of Chicago. Well, there's the Sultan's Massage Palace, and we see a man come in. She asks him what he would like off of the board, which is generally hot oil, vibrator, foot massage combos throughout in various... It's kind of like Subway. They've only got a few ingredients. They're just in different orders. Yeah, basically. And so he he points his his devil-headed cane, and she's like, okay, right this way, and then tells the girl to watch it, that she's got a weirdo with her, and she goes in to give this man a massage. This man wearing full tux, a cloak, a top hat, and a cane. And then a few moments later, her co-worker hears a scream. She opens the door, and you can only guess at what it is, you know? And so there's yet another horrific, horrific murder. And that's when we get our hero, Ron Updike. Ron Updike shows up after. The police are there. Ron shows his INS card and heads on in. Um, you know, looking around, he stumbles over to a mirror that has a poem written on it in apparently blood. And he, he quickly jots down what the poem says, feels pretty full of himself at the time, turns around and trips right over the body and all the people, all the police trying to do their work. And then he sees it and then immediately has to go to the bathroom to throw up. Yeah, yeah. This 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 guy, this actor is uh his expressions are very great. Yes, it's uh, fantastic. It, it, it's he's he's doing the part exactly. He he does he plays it to a T. And of course Carl shows up mm-hmm. and shows his INS card and the guy's like, We already got somebody in there and Carl's like, No, 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 it's a mistake. He's he he writes one ads or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't doesn't quite work out, but it doesn't matter because about that time, thankfully Carl's on the street because he hears a horn blaring and a crash and people screaming, and he runs into the street and there's a car. Its front end is just decimated. Yet there's no other car mm, there. Nothing. And so he's like, "What's going on?" And the guy's like, "It's the weirdest thing. Like I hit this guy. I was going 30 miles an hour. I hit this guy and he's gone. He says he's walked off." Walked it off. A 30 mile an hour collision. That sets up yet one more like supernatural element to this as far as being something about him Mm -hmm. that's just unstoppable. It's not just people trying to fight him or shoot him. Like he literally did a ton of damage to a car and just walked away. Just, yeah. And then Carl heads back to the office and shoves all those Miss Emily letters into every single desk drawer he's got, clears them straight out, and then 
takes out his Ripper murders throughout history or throughout the ages. Yeah. Throughout the ages book and uh, starts checking through things. And then Tony Vincenzo shows up and let's seize it and lets Carl know that. Uh, Carl, you're not on this case. You're supposed to be doing Miss Emily. And he's like, well, I already, I already did this, Miss Emily. I'm helping out Up- Updike because he's a <laughs> bibliophiliac. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the best part. And he just, I mean, sarcastically concocts this story about Ron not returning library books. And Tony just sort of chokes it down. Yeah. Like some newsman, Tony. Like he's obviously bullshitting. Yeah, not only is he like, is Tony supposed to be like an editor of a newspaper? He's the editor of a newspaper who's worked with Kolchak like twice already yes. on craziness. Yes, and, and yeah, yeah, he totally believes him. Spaz it. So Karchek, Carl leaves. He says he's got to go into the library and do some research for Updike. And so Vinci is like, all right. So he's looking at the desk or at the book. And when he opens the book, there's a like a bookmark in there. Turns out it's a Miss Emily letter. And then he gets to thinking. And he starts digging through Carl's desk. And finds piles and piles of Miss Emily letters. So many letters. Throw, throw in a fit. It's like Carl, at this point, must just have something on Vincenzo. Because he is just <laughs> openly disobeying him to the fullest as an employee. Not even doing the work he's supposed to do. And then more. He's yeah. just doing the exact thing he's not supposed to be. It's insane. Meddling. He's just constantly meddling. Carl goes and uh, meets back up with Jane Plum. Of course, she's having a big meal. Mm-hmm. He's having a drink. And she's telling him that she has been interviewing Ripper candidates. All these guys have been writing into her paper and saying they're the Ripper. She's been interviewing them. And Carl's like, Jane, this is plum dumb. Yeah. Like, he's just he's just using her name to just let her know that this is just... <laughs> insane to do this that the ripper kills women and she's putting herself there and uh, she just pulls out a pistol and is like I, I, yeah she's she doesn't care she doesn't care also the ripper has promised not to kill her if they meet yes he's promised yeah. not to kill her and yeah. that's apparently part I, yeah it, it just seems so crazy she thinks though that this that there are multiple rippers that these are all a bunch of guys doing these killings that it's it's like a contagion, a contagious psychosis. They all think they're the Ripper, and that all these guys throughout history that have they're so I think so they said eighty eight murders throughout history. Yeah, something like that. And that these guys, because all these guys have been captured and then hung or executed. Yeah. And she's saying like these are all different guys that are just catching the psychosis and they're doing these Ripper copycat murders basically. And Carl doesn't think so much at that because Carl has some photos. Of the back of the Ripper's head. Like, whenever the Ripper leaped down, he took a bunch of pics, and mm-hmm. nothing came out right hardly. He got a little bit like the back of his neck, and there appeared to be a rope burn on his neck. So he showed this picture to Jane, because there was a German Ripper that was hung. Mm-hmm. And then yep. he took a picture of this dude. This dude has noticeable, like, a rope burn ingrained into his neck. And she's like, well, that could be a rope burn. Or it could be a carbuncle. I'll not think about a supernatural Ripper. I'm just going to go meet them all. Yeah. And then she alludes to that they're interesting men and she just wants to meet men. They, they do Jane dirty in yes. this whole episode. <laughs> yes. And the weird thing is, she's almost right. Almost. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. It, it's, she's a, it's a very good contrast to, like, Carl, where, like, if you wanted to, and you hadn't seen the movies, maybe, mm-hmm. you just seen this show, you're like, oh, no, this lady's probably just right. He's crazy. Yeah. Because he does seem like he's crazy. Yeah, he's quickly jumping to the paranormal aspect of yeah. this from the get-go. But they're talking about the pattern, and each time the Ripper has killed five women. Mm-hmm. And if the pattern holds, he has two more victims, and they are going to die on this very evening. So Carl's like, maybe you shouldn't go meet anybody. And so he he honestly thinks he's dealing with the original Ripper. 
Mm-hmm. And this is where Carl makes a mistake. He goes back to the Sultan's palace because the previous ripper struck in the same place twice. Yep. So he goes back to the Sultan's palace, the massage parlor, and decides, hey, I'm going to pretend to be a customer. Then when I get the masseuse in the back, I'm going to let her know I'm not here for this. I'm here. I just need to hide out with my camera and my recorder. So he tells basically the same thing to the masseuse. Turns out she's a cop. This is a vice bust. Carl's going away (laughs) because he wants to watch a masseuse with another man. Yep. Solicitation, people. Solicitation, which he is completely denying. Yeah. He's shoeless. His shirt's wide open. Maybe he should have started taking his clothes off before he explained all this to her. Probably not have, yeah. Yeah. And so he gets put in the back of a cop car. He's getting taken away. And about that time, the Ripper shows up and starts to attack the detective. Mm -hmm. He pulls out a sword cane. She goes at him, though. But he tosses her back against the wall. Another detective runs in. He tosses him, takes off into the street. So all the cops start just chasing him down. Once again, he ends up on a building. He definitely likes to just get up high. Yes. That's his immediate go-to. I'm just going to get up on a building. Carl gets out of the back of this cop car. His hands are cuffed. His shirt is open. He has no shoes on. He's got his camera. So he's amongst these police. He's heavily handicapped by his limitation of his handcuffs and stuff and his lack of shoes. As they're just shooting guns all around him at the Ripper, he's trying to take photos. The Ripper's just knocking people around, leaping from everything. Yep. It, it's just it's just mayhem. And it's the it's the elite tax squad is what he calls them. I guess it's just like their vice squad or like sort of, their, sort of their SWAT or like their quick response team. Yeah. They don't really explain what that means per se, but he gets to see it all. And he takes the pick and he sees the Ripper. The Ripper's just tossing everybody and then finally runs and hits an electric fence. Yes. And you see the Ripper in his cape and he's just, I mean, we're talking sparks flying. He, they... <laughs> Whoever built that electric fence, just have it running directly into like just an electric line. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, yeah. way, <laughs> just, just a ridiculous amount of voltage coming through that electric fence. Yeah, yeah, look like he blew up in electricity. Yes. And so then we get Carl. But that's the thing there. It kind of cuts there. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Carl at the police station. And he's in there in the captain's office, Captain Warren. And he's, you know, saying all this shit. And, like, he's telling them what they got on their hands and that, you know, it's the Ripper, blah, blah, blah. And that he's got photos. And then they, they bring his camera and he opens it. And he's like, ah, oh, you've exposed my film. Like, we open every container that comes in here. And it's just like, great. <laughs> yeah. And so he has no photos. But then he's telling them, I mean, he talks for a while about how they're not able to stop him. They can't arrest him as a normal man. And then finally, kind of like we see in the Night Strangler, he kind of gets shut up by the police. And they're like, well, we have him arrested. He's upstairs in our maximum security wing. So thanks for your rambling, but like we can do our job. That's cool until they show the door and the Ripper's just busting it completely out of the wall massive steel door that he's just just knocks to the ground and then just moseys out just walks out i like that they let him keep his cape when they after they arrested they did yeah um but still no showing of his face they still just showing lower body at this time the the maximum security uh jail cell um the cell itself the it's like a prison cell because so they have like the uh regular criminals and like a drunk tank Mm-hmm. And then just a one cell, one their wing is one cell, and it's just real interesting that they would just house everybody. It's like they don't have maximum security; they just have like a solitary hole. Yeah, yeah, like it was like a metal door with like a slit. That yeah. was it. Yeah. yeah, but just at the end of the hall. But anyway, he escapes and is is out. And then it turns out Carl finds out from Vincenzo, like Jane Plum, nobody knows where she is. Mm-hmm. So Carl's calling her mom's house. He's checking on her, trying to find out where she's at. She finds out he finds out that she was going to Wilton Park for the interview. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when Kolchak's memory clicks. Because he remembers that Miss Emily letter about the guy with the x-ray eyes who was being a weirdo. And so he runs back, gets back to his office, goes to get the letters, finds out they're all gone. And Up Doc is just smugly talking about how Vincenzo took all those Miss Emily letters and he's not going to let him have them. He's not going to tell them where they are. So Carl just busts in his office, finds the bag, pours them in the floor, and just starts flipping through the letters to find it. And once he does, he takes off to find the writer of this letter. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it is an old, old busybody. (laughs) Yep, with the telescope. Yes, Miss uh, Agenweiler. She not only has a telescope aimed at the guy's house, but she has like a log of his in and out times and everything she sees him doing uh, that Carl gets to look at. And she's like, is this good? He's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this is exactly this is exactly what I needed. So yeah. after that, Kolchak heads over to the house. It's super dark. He's looking around at it. And he sees like the electrical box on the outside. He opens it up and he's kind of checking onto it. Then he just takes off. He goes to Brent, like Brennan Building Materials and Electrical Supply and then buys... You see him putting like some some thick gauge wire over his shoulder and he has like a box of shit and he loads it into his car, drives back and parks in the park itself. Mm-hmm. You see him walk over to like a pond and he puts stuff down and then he goes back to the house. He goes to the house. He's got like these big thick ass white electrical like shockproof lineman gloves. Yeah. And he takes this wire and he's pulling it from the box in the woods all the way through as he gets to, through the yard of the house onto the porch. And then he puts it into the electrical box and flips the switch and it sparks up and he's like, okay. And then he takes the gloves off, starts to look around the house. Mm-hmm. Of course, when he first got to the house, he falls through the steps on the porch, not once, but twice. Yeah. So I guess he knew by that point, no one was home. And before he left to go get the electrical supplies. But this time after busting the porch, he decides, you know what? I'm just going to yank a post out of the porch and then bust a window. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. And he, he lifts, he busts a pane in the window, lifts it up, climbs inside. He's just completely breaking and entering. There's no trying to hide it. There's no being qui- no being quiet in the slightest. No. 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 Once he gets inside, he trips up the stairs and knocks like, he like, trips on a post that's fallen down. And he's just, he's not good at this. No. He's not good at this at all. And then he gets upstairs and he's looking around. And it reminds me very much of Scores in His House from The Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like Especially that. he goes upstairs and there's a landing and he goes in the room and that's where the basic area is that he's at. Yeah. He finds like this hot plate that has a tea kettle on it that's whistling annoyingly for the entire scene. <laughs> yes. No other music, just the whistling tea kettle. And it's had a, a really weird audio. You know, there's a bed in there. He finds a stand with a bunch of canes in it. And he pulls that one and sees that it's a knight, a sword cane. And then he looks and he sees some shoes. And he's like, oh, piss. And he pulls back the curtain. It's just the guy's closet. He just yep. weirdly has his shoes halfway out of the closet to like somebody standing there. Carl's about to leave. He's doing whatever. About this time, the Ripper shows up, sees the holes in the floorboard, opens the door. Carl hears that. He goes back in. He hides in the closet. The Ripper comes in, turns down the tea kettle. The whole thing where Carl's, the character's hiding in a closet and the person's like putting stuff in there and feeling around and he's moments away from getting caught. And then Carl just screams. He isn't touched or he's like he's overwhelmed. Yeah, like his nerves break. Yeah, he just screams and runs. Yep. And gets out onto the landing and then just falls. Just falls through the railing. Yep. He just falls from the second story to the first. Gets up, runs, 
trips over a uh, couch that has like a, a coating on it. Yep. And there's the body of Jane, mm. sadly. You tried to warn her. The interview did not go well. No. Did not it, it go didn't. well, apparently. And he's got the the Ripper after him. And we do momentarily get to see the Ripper's face at this time as he's got Carl in pursuit. I'm really probably just more stunned that Carl's screaming and falling through his house. And he's, you know, just well put together, trimmed mm-hmm. beard, mustache, hair slicked back. The funny thing is this actually coincides with how eyewitnesses back in the 1800s described what Jack the Ripper actually looked like is this guy. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It's a very Victorian look. Yes. And so the Ripper's chasing Carl. Carl, okay, so Carl not only falls through the man's railing yeah. for his second story, mm-hmm. knocks over his couch. He broke one of his window panes earlier. He yep. broke his porch. To escape him, Carl runs and just cannonballs through a window <laughs> to the outside of the house. Just full-on action. And then just takes off running through the park. Hot in pursuit is, of course, is the Ripper. He's coming at him heavy. Of course, yeah. So Carl leaps into this pond, wades through it real quick, gets to the other side, and the Ripper comes in. And as soon as the Ripper hits that water, Carl takes the other end of that electrical cord, that electrical wire that he had plugged into his ha- the Ripper's house earlier, and shoves it into the water immediately, electrocuting the man. Yes. Just full-on <laughs> burning him to ash. Yeah, like it's almost as explosive, or more so than the fence was. It was a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of juice coming through that that pond. And then at the same time, at the house, thankfully, I guess, Jane was dead because the electrical box sparks up and the house goes up in a blaze of glory. Oh, yeah. Old house like that. Yeah, it's gone completely. That's that's the end of The Ripper. Then you get Carl at the end. He's back in the office mm-hmm. talking about things, you know, with the with the voiceover and he's typing and stuff. And um, the cops drained the pond. There was nothing there except for some very old clothes that they insist that they wanted. Vincenzo is apparently having to, you know, handle the fallout of this because Carl is being charged with arson and malicious mischief. Because, you know, he burned a house down in a neighborhood. <laughs> yes. In a neighborhood, he could have caught other houses yes. on fire. Plus, he's not a licensed electrician. Nope. And I think in Chicago, they got unions for that. <laughs> so he's probably catching some heat all over. Yeah, that's it. So basically, he's like talking up the last of this story. And then he just kind of laughs to himself and then says that there's one thing that he has. And it's this shoe. And he pulls it up. And it's this old shoe from Pills Footwear in London. And he says... They still exist, and I guess he's contacted them, but they haven't made that shoe for 70 years. So, one, the Ripper takes good care of his footwear. Yes. Or two, old footwear just lasted longer. Probably both. You know? Yeah. Carl just kind of smirks, yanks the paper out of his typewriter, nobody's going to believe it, crumples it up, tosses it, stands up, grabs his hat, and then you get him walking out of the office, and as it walks out of the office, you get the same whistle from the music that you get in the beginning. So they tie it all together, that Carl's whistling, that tune, and that's the first episode, and it goes to black. Yeah, it does. Like a super quick resolution. It was. I'm not sure where Carl made a correlation between electricity and it would kill a ripper, other than... Well, he was talking about... Whenever he was in, well, he saw he saw him, you know, hitting the fence. But also, he was saying that those other rippers, if they were the same man, mm-hmm. they survived because they were hung or shot or whatever. He says that like 1908 was when they first started using the electric chair, mm-hmm. and that's when there was a New York Ripper caught, and so he was like super scared because oh, of the electric chair. Okay, I guess the fact that they were able to capture him with the electric fence, and then that the electric chair was instituted, and that could be why the Ripper 
was afraid skipped out okay. during that 1908. I mean, that is a very that is a very loose connection. Connection, yeah. but I, there's a lot going on in this episode. Yes, and they I I think it, some of it was just like we guys got to get this going. It's dense. It's, it's very. It's dense. good though. Oh yeah. Uh, the the only other note I had about it is I don't like that he just tore the story out and threw it away mm-hmm. because even though no one would read it and the two movies Carl wouldn't have cared he still would have written it and he would have shoved it in his face. Here, just kind of like, oh, it's just a thing. And yeah, and, and it's that definitely lends itself to what you'll be seeing, like from the next episodes. Okay, it's definitely that. Like you can watch this television series, mm-hmm. the first two, the first two television movies. When you watch them, mm-hmm. if you watch the Night Strangler, you get some throwbacks to the Night Stalker. Yes, from the first episode of this through the twentieth episode of this TV series, you can watch them in literally any order you want, and you're gonna catch on the same way. Okay. There's one episode called The Vampire that there is some throwbacks to Scorzini, but otherwise he alludes to some stuff, but overall it's a definitely like a, a quote unquote like monster of the week television series. Okay. Okay. And and yeah, there are a lot of these where Carl's just like Nobody's going to believe this shit. Which, I mean, I guess the thing, he, well, he didn't write it down. He's recording. That's true. He has, yeah. he, he has the Kolchak tapes. Yeah. Which, you know, are, are the big deal. All of, his, all of his tapes of all these cases that he's covered with all the uh, voiceovers, of course, that he does and mm-hmm. everything throughout the show. That, yeah, that's, I mean, that's episode one of the Not Software TV series. That is The Ripper. All right, Matt. So this is your first time watching an episode of the Kolchak, the Night Stalker television series. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts. Your overall. So this is episode length. It's only like 48 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciated how it felt as dense as the movies. Yeah. They, the, they cram a ton in there. Yeah. And the movies are like half again as long as the episode, I think. They're like 120 or something like that. Yeah, it, I, it did not feel like it was lacking at all from the, it being a shorter time. It didn't feel like, oh, that, the movies were obviously movie. This was TV. It felt same standard, same quality, all of it. Um, I liked that a lot. Um, and it might just be because I had just watched The Not Strangler. Mm-hmm. But when he's in the house and the tea kettle's going off, he reaches for it and then he doesn't mess with it. Because in The Night Strangler, he yes. turned off the uh, record. Yes. And and that immediately let the guy know that someone was in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he learned his lesson in this one, which was great. Yeah. Even though out of the two things, I would have much preferred him to turn that tea kettle off quicker because it was a very... <laughs> it was bad. It was a very annoying level of hum yeah. uh, as that scene went on. And it might not be anything, but it's just something I noticed. You know? Yeah. 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 So. And so there you have it. There is us talking about the first episode of... Kolchak, The Night Stalker, The Ripper. Of course, this is the Kolchak Legacy Podcast. And if you would like to check us out on Instagram, you can do that at The Kolchak Legacy. Or if you want to drop a line, chat it up, let us know your favorite Kolchak scenes or sections for any of these episodes. And when we cover it all, I'll be glad to talk about the things that you guys find your favorite Kolchak moments. Uh, hit up The Kolchak Legacy at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this. We've been getting feedback already. I've been getting messages and stuff of people who are watching Kolchak for their very first time, trying it out. And that's exactly what this podcast is for, is to get people to be aware of Carl Kolchak and the sweet, sweet, spooky universe in which he exists. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this Super Spectrum Radio production. 